With us today is Stefan uh, Corkin, and he's a historian, an academic, an author, and uh, he's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute, Institute at uh, Stanford University, and one expert, big expert on what's going on in Russia. Uh, good morning, Professor. Uh, give us an update. I, I've taken the attitude, nobody believes uh, what's being said in the newspapers about Russia, and nobody believes what's being said in the newspapers about Ukraine. Give us your, your thoughts about what's really going on in Russia. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on your show. The situation is grim. You know, war is never a good thing. You got over 100,000 Ukrainians who have either died or been seriously wounded. You got a similar number on the Russian side, even though they're the aggressors. A lot of their boys are also dying. And so it's tough. No lights, no power, no heat, potentially in the wintertime for Ukraine. So it's really bad. Uh, at the same time, Ukrainians, uh, courage and ingenuity, fighting back to prevent Russia from conquering them, from taking over their country and eliminating uh, them as the rulers in their own house. So we're hoping that Ukraine can survive this Russian onslaught and maybe even get to victory, but it's a big slog still to go. Tell us, uh, uh, we get so many stories out of Russia uh, that Putin is not well. And then we get stories that uh, Putin really uh, is using this mercenary army uh, uh, from Libya, etc., etc. And then we get stories that Putin hasn't really used his air force or army yet. Give us, give the American people your thoughts of what's going on, John. One of the ways that you destabilize a nasty regime like this is you put out rumors that the leader is ill. If the other elites believe that the leader is ill, they might move against him to save themselves. Putin is not ill. The head of the CIA admitted it in public, and he's a very reliable guy, William Burns. But the rumors, who knows where they came from, who knows what intelligence service first put them out. But, of course, the, the media snapped them up, and, and everyone would love if Putin were... To leave the scene because maybe the war would end uh, but unfortunately those rumors are false and it looks like he's going to continue to prosecute the war so you know you win wars on a battlefield john right you don't win wars on twitter and the ukrainians are doing well on the battlefield they stopped the russians from conquering their capital they've pushed the russians back a little bit since the early russian gains but the Russians are still occupying almost 20% of internationally recognized Ukrainian territory. So Ukraine's got to evict them to win this thing. And there are a couple of shortcuts maybe that people have been focusing on. That's where your rumors come in. One shortcut is the Russian army disintegrates because they're not really into this. Their morale is low. They're being forced, coerced to fight the war. Uh, there's very little evidence so far that the Russian army is disintegrating. But, of course, the media talk about it a lot. The other shortcut, John, is uh, Putin is overthrown. He's not sick, but maybe he could be overthrown by the others. And maybe if he's overthrown, he's replaced by somebody who decides to capitulate instead of escalate. Unfortunately, there's very little evidence that Putin's rule is shaking. And the third shortcut 
is the Chinese decide that they're going to pressure Putin and make him back down. Uh, but, John, it's not clear that the Chinese have that kind of leverage, even if they were interested in pushing Moscow to back down. It's not clear that that would be enough. And so you got uh, three shortcuts that uh, don't look good right now. And so it's going to be battlefield victory for Ukraine, the only way to evict the Russians. Or the Russians may just sit and squat, you know, occupy that Ukrainian territory for some time. Let's go to Ukraine now. Uh, there were rumors around that uh, uh, 80% of uh, the Ukraine is uh, uh, out of electricity. The, the people, there's no electricity and there's no this and there's no that. And yeah. th then there's other rumors that the uh, president there is, uh, the money is coming in from Germany or from the United States. And some of it is going, somebody's buying bitcoins instead of using the money for the war. Well, what's, tell us what you know. Yeah, John, so they're hurting you right about the electricity, the water supply, uh, heat, lights in the wintertime, potentially, as we mentioned. Uh, the problem is, you know, Ukraine doesn't have a big enough army or enough big heavy armor to fight an offensive you know, face-to-face. -face. In other words, to just bash at the Russians across the front and push them back. You, you sort of need a three-to-one advantage in skilled infantry and in planes and tanks and artillery. So Ukraine's fighting a different war. They're fighting the war of shooting long-range rockets behind Russian lines to mess up Russian logistics, Russian supply, Russian fuel depots, and Russian command and control to make the Russians unable to prosecute the war. Disarray in the rear. However, the Russians have cottoned on to this, and the Russians are fighting a very similar type of war where they're hitting Ukraine in behind the lines. And so they're wiping out Ukrainian civilian infrastructure, like their power supply, like the power supply that runs the water system and runs uh, basically the heating system in the big cities where the majority of people live. So Russia is trying to make Ukraine unable to fight the war by hitting civilian infrastructure. By the way, that's a war crime as defined internationally by treaties that Russia itself has signed, uh, striking, deliberately striking civilian infrastructure. So Ukraine's having a tough time because of the way Russia's fighting. Russia's not giving up. It's continuing. And, and so we're hoping that the more weapons and more long-range weapons and more of the kind of weapons that are ours and superior to the weapons that the Russians have. On your point about what kind of president and what kind of government we have in Ukraine, let's remember that the Ukrainian society twice in our lifetime, 2004 and 2014, overthrew domestic tyrants uh, when there were fraudulent elections. And they're the ones who were taking the fight to the Russians. Sure, we supply the weapons, but the Ukrainians are fighting and dying. So we don't want to underestimate Ukrainian valor here, Ukrainian ingenuity, and their ability to fight. You know, as far as the government goes, it was not the cleanest government before the war. And if they win, somebody's going to have to figure out how to make sure that that reconstruction money going to Ukraine doesn't disappear. Ukraine's whole economy, John, was $180 billion before the war started. That was their GDP. 
Reconstruction is estimated at about $350 billion on up. So you're talking double the amount of their GDP in reconstruction funds. Where is that money going to go in? Well, if you know your COVID money and what happened to all that COVID money, which was a tiny percentage of the American economy, and here you're talking 200% the size of Ukraine in reconstruction funds. So, yeah, I'm with you on this. I want to know how that money is being spent and who's going to be accountable. I'm very impressed with the Ukrainians' ability to take this fight to the Russians, even though they're outgunned and outnumbered at the start. Now, the other uh, thing going on is uh, that the equipment being sent by Germany and others are leftover equipment that they don't want to need, and they just want to look like they're good, that they're sending the Ukraine uh, product. Uh, have you heard that? In other words, the Germans sent Hollinsers. They were good for about two weeks, and then they went kaput. <laughs> yeah, John, sometimes that happens in war, even when you don't intend it. So there's an equation here, and this equation goes as follows. It's pretty easy. Ukrainian courage plus Russian atrocities equals Western unity and resolve. Plus the Russian atrocities has made the West remember who we are, what we stand for, what our values are, how strong we are. Right? We got the financial system. We got the military. We got the freedom. We're not remembering who we are, John, thanks to the Ukrainians on the battlefield. And so that equation... Right, Ukrainian courage, Russian plus Russian atrocities equals Western unity and resolve. That's brought us a long way. Sure, sometimes you have the Germans dragging their feet. Sure, sometimes the weapons have been slow to get there. Sure, a lot of times they haven't been in sufficient numbers. On the other hand, let's remember, uh, Ukrainians are making Joe Biden look like the president at this point, right, because of his support for them. He withdrew from Afghanistan in the dead of night and left all of our weapons there and, and abandoned a lot of our people who had fought with us. He wanted to do something similar in Ukraine. Uh, they evacuated the embassy. They offered Zelensky the means to get out. And President Zelensky of Ukraine decided to stay and fight. And so it's really Ukraine that's made us remember who we are. And it's even made Joe Biden look like a president, which is a pretty big achievement. So bottom line, we, we have about a minute left on the interview. Bottom line, what say you is, is going to happen? Is, is, are they going to make peace between Ukraine or, uh, and, and Russia and Putin? Or are they going to just keep fighting and we'll see what happens? Yeah, John, I think uh, the second is more likely, but we got to think about this. Ukraine needs to get into Europe. They need a fast track to get into Europe. They need to fix their judiciary. They need to fix their civil service. They need to get rid of the corruption. Fast track into Europe. That's what victory looks like. On the other side, there's going to be some kind of DMZ between Ukraine and Russia. No matter where the border is going to be, no matter how much territory Ukraine gets back, the Putin's Russia is still going to be on the other side, right? Geography can't be changed. But remember what happened in South Korea. Look at the success of South Korea. Despite the fact that there was no peace treaty, there was an armistice only, uh, South Korea was a massive success, unbelievable success. So let's have that as the outcome in Ukraine, regardless of where the border is and regardless of how long Putin lasts. Well, Professor Stefan uh, Notkin, am I saying it right? 
Kotkin, you got it, John. Listen, you know, you know, John, uh, great show. Thank you for letting letting me be on, and uh, thank you for the uh, also for the grocery store that's around the corner from me. Well, thank you for for <laughs> telling the American people the truth, and we'll catch up again real soon. Okay, be well. Be well. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.